What is this like for you? What's the off season like for you? How does that um, do you have such a thing as an off season? Well, like right now, like being here at Inside Texas, I'm like hitting the ground, right? So I'm visiting all the high schools around DFW, seeing some of Texas top recruits, but also going around and trying to say, hey, who else do you have? Who's up and coming, right? Who's right. up and coming next athlete that may be on Texas's radar or any college for that matter? And I think one thing I've learned is you have to build relationships with the coaches that have at these high schools, right? I know yeah. you want to go and see the guy that Texas likes, right? But who else do you have? So when I go by there, if I'm help promoting the other guys as well, it's going to go and further build a relationship within that staff and that school so I can be welcome anytime. So I can talk to that Texas recruit, but also it's good to see the other kids like have a chance to be promoted and get their name out there as well. And when they blow up, it makes you feel like, yeah, you know, you had a hand in just helping like, because that's really what it's about as the kids. So what is the, what is the, the coach's office like? Is it just like a revolving door of folks like yourself, coaches, recruiting people i mean how much how much time do they spend on ball and then talking to also just talking up their kids it seems like uh, it's constant it is right and i know a lot of people they're starting to get prepared for spring ball right uh right, I mean, it's off season so trying to make sure the kids are getting stronger faster all of that good stuff uh some are running track so we got some coaches you know who coach multiple sports and so they're helping in track and powerlifting and things like that but um you know, it's, it's just talking ball, you know, asking, yeah. so how was it at the college level and trying to compare notes and things like that. And uh, just, you know, it's all about, it's like, it's like the, you know, the guys room, the locker room, man, you're just in there having a good time and you're just in there talking, having a good time outside of talking about football and, you know, other things too. So. What do you, what have you noticed in terms of, you know, when you were at UNLV or even here, what's the difference between the, Texas high school football programs, places like Florida, places like California, because the way that we've scheduled our day really does give, I think, give the players a little bit of an advantage, just having that flex period, being able to work out. What is that? How much of a difference does that make? Does it make a difference? What are your thoughts on that? It makes a huge difference, right? With Texas having like a real athletic period, right? Um, for the kids to get developed and get better. All right. It's, you know, in the state of Texas, you have to be certified. You have to be a certified teacher and just a coach where you may go to college, to Florida and they have people who may work real jobs and then they come out there and participate and volunteer their time to be football coaches. So you're not there all day around the kids. And that gives us a big advantage, I think, preparing kids for the next level. Not saying that our athletes are just so much better than Florida or California's. I'm not saying that. It's just a difference of having that true athletic period to help develop the kids. I think it goes a long way. And though that's the biggest things um, that you see, not just out of Florida, California, but other states as well. You know, everybody does not have that true athletic period for just football only. And I really think it helps that we do here in the state. What kind of rules are there with that period? Are they allowed to are they allowed to what are they allowed to do? Are they lifting? Are they looking at tape? What's going on during that that time period for those kids? Uh, so right now, since it's off season, they're in there lifting their conditioning. Um, you know, I'm sure they're doing mat drills, uh, the good old mat drills. Man, that's the fun stuff. Um, but I'm sure closer to gets to spring ball, they'll start transitioning to more football stuff. Right. Doing on the on the field drills. Uh, things they would do during the season, working on footwork, uh, watching film, getting, you know, recognition, uh, discipline. I discipline, things like that. So as they get closer to the spring football, you'll see more football drills. But right now it's just about conditioning and, and lifting weights and getting stronger. So when you're at, when you're 
Division One program, you're at UNLV. Mm-hmm. Presumably, you're going to have some Texas kids. You're right. likely going to have some kids from other states. Mm-hmm. You know, what does it mean? What is the major difference? What are you seeing with those freshmen that are coming in from Texas versus other states just in terms of their football readiness? I'll say this. All right. When you get to the next level, honestly, it's about the individual, no matter where you're from. Right. Um, as far as being like the conditioning, maybe doing certain drills, kids in Texas may have seen, oh, they can go in and knock these out. Like I did this in high school, right? Where other kids are like, man, this is my first time ever doing mat drills. This is my first time doing this much running. And I know in Texas, off-season programs are serious. And so from that standpoint, you may see a little difference, but then it's about the individual from there. Um, how can you compete? How can you make up the difference from being from another state, right? So putting in extra work. Like you may have workouts in the morning, but going back to the – Jim and getting with the assistant strength and conditioning coaches and putting in that extra work so that you can get to where you need to be. And I will say that for every high school student, period, coming into college, it's, it's an adjustment period. You think you've worked out, you think you can have conditioning before. Well, you know, welcome to college, right? And um, so I would say that's the biggest, the biggest difference is it's, it's more the individual than where you're from. We hear all the time about obviously the major disparity between the speed of the college game versus the high school game. But you've been there. I've definitely had, you know, friends, certainly not me, that have played at that level. And, you know, that first year, they're talking about trying to get their homework done in the locker room while they're studying the playbook, while they're it just seems like a fire hose approach to delivering this information is and I know that the pedagogy has changed. I know that that, you know, you have those Cliff Kingsbury's that come and they don't use a playbook at all. So I understand that, you know, different programs teach differently mm-hmm. but what are you noticing and again at your experience at UNLV what what was the process of getting those kids up to speed what's that look like yeah so as you know most kids are starting to graduate early and coming enrolled in January which puts them way ahead of the learning curve uh, learning the playbook learning how to manage the college life right being a student athlete um, so those kids who come in in January they have a, such a huge advantage because you're going to not only get your body ready mentally and physically, right? You're learning the playbook and it's broken down into phases. So you start with like install one. Install one may have eight running plays, right? On Monday, you got a whole day to learn eight plays, right? And Tuesday, you got, you got a chance to learn another, learn another eight plays, right? It may be all pass plays. Wednesday, another eight running plays. Thursday, another eight running plays. Friday, you go out there and run like a script, like it's regular practice. We got 16 running plays and 16 passing plays to learn in a week. You might, you might spend two weeks doing those same 16 plays. So you should have them down before you move into install two. Right? right. And so that really helps. So you get a bunch of reps before you even hit spring ball running your basic plays. And then you build on that and going into fall, some summer and then fall camp. So you may have 16, say 15, 16 installs. So you may be up to, let's say 70, 80, maybe 90, 100 plays. But if you have the time over months to learn it. And when you talk yeah. about playing fast, it's really about being able to play without thinking. When you hear a play call, you see a signal, you see a board group on the sideline, knowing what it is, knowing where you line up at, knowing what the play is, that helps you play faster. I think a lot of freshmen are thinking, okay, what route did I have here? And they're running and you can see it, right? They're not moving as fast. They're thinking so much. And, and I think I think a lot of coaches are doing a great job now. Um, I know at UNLV are really just installing the playbook, making sure that the players actually understand what they're doing. And you're going to get a ton of reps at doing so. So by the time games fall comes around, 
I've been doing this all, you know, for seven, eight months. I got this. And so um, I think that's the biggest thing, uh, catching up to the speed of the game is that. You talked about last time the, um, you know, I asked you what advice you would give to a young kid coming out. And the thing that you really nailed down was just the, just the knowledge of the game, understanding the route trees, understanding the, the defenses, understanding the, the alignments so that when you get there, that type of information is going to come at you a lot easier. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. Have you noticed, I mean, just because he's a former Longhorn coach, I think it might interest some folks. Like what, what kind of coach is coach Marion? What is he, how does he approach the game? What have you noticed with him in terms of, of how he likes to run a program? Yeah, man, Coach Marion, honestly, that guy's a genius. I, I, I say it all the time. Being next to him, being up close to him, just seeing how he goes about his day. He loves football, right? And he wants to recruit players who love football just like he does. I mean, he's creating new plays. He's writing up new ideals every single day. He's just like, how can I score more points, right? I know I scored 40 last week. How can I score 49? 49, and um, he's just so creative, and he, think, he thinks outside the box constantly, right? Um, you know, most coaches you see is traditional. We have, we got to go, you know, two by two, we're going to be on 11 personnel. He's like, you know what? Let's try this. He's all about if it works, it works. Who cares what it looks like, right? You know what I mean? He's all about creating. Um, and I wouldn't even say creating. He's just himself, right? He doesn't allow, he doesn't put himself in a box. And I love that um, because he's not afraid to try new things. I know that may scare some people off. Right, but all innovators scare people off, right? So he's just a true innovator, man. He loves football. He's always trying to create create new ways to score, score the football. That's really what it's all about with him. Um, it reminds me of, I don't know how many people around, but I guess the Lake Show, right? The running gun, like whatever. That's that's who he yeah. is. Like He just wants yeah. to go, go, go. Obviously, you know, his name, the offense is called the go-go, but he just wants to go. How can I, how fast can we go? How fast can we execute? How fast can we score, right? And that's what, really what it's about. That's got to be a lot of fun for the kids too. It is. Where, you know, it's, they have to stay on their toes a little bit, I would imagine, to kind of keep up with him. Does it, does an offense like that where, and I don't, the word mercurial is, is not the right word, but it's, it's, it's not a consistent scripted, this is the way we're going to go, like you described it. It is, it is responsive. And how do we do this in this moment? Is that the type of thing that requires more of the players, a go go offense where, their mind just really has to be in it because you don't necessarily know which way coach is going to go in a given moment. Well, in a week to week, right? We yeah, we had this thing on a Monday where like we're going to introduce these new plays, right? But the thing so great about it is there was plenty of chances to learn that play, right? So say I was going to call uh, he's got a, a basic right zone uh, running play to the right zone running scheme, right? Running to the right. We may call it. I'm just going to say the play call is called A, right? Well, the new play is A, it's just something added to it, right? There's a new motion. Um, there's a new way we're going to block it. We're going to line up this way in a different formation and run play A. So really, it may be a new play, new way of doing things. But for the kids, it's like, oh, it's just play A. We just added B, C, and D all in one. And so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think that was the, the biggest thing that allowed kids to learn. Um, but you have so many uh, chances to, like, learn it, right? So you don't see it one time. On Mondays, then you see it. Like hit the practice field, right? It's like you're gonna be. There's gonna be mistakes. There's gonna be a lot of questions. They're gonna forget what a lineup. They're gonna be, you know, like what do I do in this play again, right? But by Tuesday, okay, I ran it. Wednesday, I ran it. Come Saturday, 
you had multiple reps, you had multiple meetings, you know, and so you have it down. So you go face a defense. Oh, they're running play A. Well, wait a minute. I thought they were running. Gotcha. You know, so yeah. it, that that's the thing uh, with him. So even though it may be a new play, he may give it a new name. It's going to be a play. It's just going to be so much built into that, right? That's why I say he's a genius because you think you see in one thing. And it's like, oh, gotcha. And so that was awesome to see. Oh, that's really fun. What One thing I'd love to hear your thoughts on as we are – I don't even know the word for it. It seems like college football is getting smaller and smaller with these, these super leagues, if you want to call them that. Um, I would love to hear your take on parity because, you know, we've talked uh, – the last discussion we had about just what goes into winning a game on Saturday. There's just so much information that is going on. And, you know, you're going to go in there, and one day you may blow a team out, and then, you know, the next week it's maybe a field goal that gets you by. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about what you noticed in terms of parity, you know, in your specific league, obviously, but but just in general with college football and – and where do you think that might be headed? Yeah. Um, so, of course, you across the board, you're going to get more teams who are competitive across, you know, in in all leagues. And I think you see it now. Um, you see kids who play maybe at a group of five school, and they do so well, they get moved up to a power five school and they compete. I think all teams are going to be on that level where they use the group of five schools like a farm system, right? Right. Like it's it's getting to the point of basically just the NFL junior, right? And that's exactly what I, I, I would call it. Uh, any given Saturday, you can be beat. Any, it's all about who executes the most on that day, honestly. I think you'll see more and more tough games. I don't think you see as many blowouts going forward just because unless people, you know, having missing key people like in, from injuries or whatever the case may be, I think across the across the board, you're going to see more competitive games, which maybe people want to see more of versus blowouts. Uh, you know how use Texas, for example, and being in Big 12, okay, most people say, oh, they're playing Kansas. That's an easy win. Right now, in the future, you won't have a set of Kansas on the schedule. Like every right. week, it's like, man, I'm playing, I'm playing. I feel like I'm playing Oklahoma every week. Like it's a rivalry game, it's a hard game, emotions, everything, every single week. So I think you'll see more of that uh, when they create this. If they do if they do create this Super League with the SEC and the Big Ten, and however that looks, um, you worry about teams like I say, like Vanderbilt, right? Of and course, yeah. You got your Northwesterns, your Vanderbilts, the two kind of high academic schools, let's be honest, in those, right. in those respective leagues, but maybe exactly. not necessarily be your powerhouses on the football field. It yeah, there's there's definitely a question to that. And I think I think where I was really searching for a little bit with that question is we we know what we're getting with air quotes big time college football. We know Big Ten. We know SEC. We know ACC. To a lesser extent we're going to get a chance to see what the big 12 is going to do right with these new additions but these power five schools and these group of five schools like i understand the concept of maybe having this farm system that we have with a transfer portal and kids being able to move around which i think is a great thing but i'm a little bit worried about what happens outside of those 32 teams that are in the big 10 and the sec you know we've got if you look at our last few, let's look at the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Now that you've got these these power schools, you know, you've moved USC over to the Big Ten. Texas and Oklahoma are now over in the SEC. There's only been three leagues that have won a national championship. 
You know, that's the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC. And the majority of those have been in the SEC. Right, right. So so it's one thing to say that, yeah, and, and this is obviously a discussion for a much more in-depth podcast, but I really do start to question, you know, what happens to those, those Kansases? What happens to those Oklahoma States? What happens to those Baylors, those UNLVs? I understand are in a little bit different setting, but mm-hmm. when all the attention is going to those 32 schools, does that create? more parody or less parody down the road and that's really just a question i don't have the answer to that yeah yeah that's 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 a tough question uh because i think you really have to see how it play out right because who's gonna i almost compare it to this and i know i don't know this may be off but you look at say the ncaa and then you look at the fcs schools or you look at hbcu schools yeah how much attention are they getting and who's going to watch those games now like i think it's going to hurt TV ratings, right, with those schools, and which eventually hurts the pocketbook, right? Um, so it just depends on who chooses to go to those schools or in, is anybody going to watch other than the fans of that school. I think it's some things that you would have to just, when it happens, see how it unfolds. How does it affect them? Because I, I know the bigger schools probably aren't thinking about the smaller schools and how it affects them because they don't worry about them and, you know, their earnings and the whole nine, right? But I think it's just something you have to see unfold and see how it plays out. And then what do those smaller schools do? Do they go and create their own league together and create such a super league with each other and make it just as competitive, right? Right. Um, is, there, is there still a chance to compete against those guys, the bigger schools, so-called bigger schools in the playoffs? Like, say, like the NCAA tournament, basketball tournament does, March Madness does. Yep. Or we in a tournament. Then it's like, hey, okay, let's go at it, right? You know, you say you're the bigger school, you're the better school. Okay, well, let's put us in a playoff system and see what happens. All right, so if in that case, then – I think you still keep interest in those smaller, so-called smaller schools because they're still competing for something. They still have a chance to be national champion of college football, um, so to speak. So um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, that's, that's it's a, tough a crazy time, dude. It is. Yeah, we're all over the joint. It yeah. is a. It is a. It is buck wild. There's no two ways about it. It is just absolutely all over the joint. When you were, when you were in this situation, so you're 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 analyzing all these teams, you're looking at all these things. Mm-hmm. What are, and this is, this is a very personal question. So what, what in that whole process, where are you, what's the thing that just really gives you joy? What do you love about breaking down game tape? What do you love about looking at another team? What's the thing that just really kind of lights your fire and gets you going? Um, I enjoy it for the simple fact, like I can find your tendencies, right? And I'm able to present those and say, Coach Mary, like, oh, I saw that too. And he kind of confirms, I know what I'm looking at. Yeah. And then to have a scheme or a play based on what I saw, it, it gives me like, great joy, right? Because it just gives you confidence. Like nothing gives, I guess, me greater joy than knowing that what I was looking at on tape was confirmed by every other coach in the building, right? And like, okay, he knows his stuff. Because that's what you're, you're, you're inspired to be at their level. So you want to make sure that you do your due diligence and make sure that, hey, what you're scouting or against an opponent is really true factual information that the, that the coach's offense coordinator can use, the head coach can use. And so for me, I love that because I, it's, it's, all about, it's all about competing, right? If I can find your tendencies, I love looking across the sideline and just, yeah, got you, you know? Yeah, I saw that all week. I've been watching your film all week. I knew exactly what you're going to do. Got you. It just – it just gives you that competitive fire. It just gets your juices going. It's, it's just a, 
can't really explain unless you're like you're there. No, it makes sense, man. Like, look, you know, everybody in the building's a competitor. They want to compete. This is how they contribute. This is what they're bringing to the game. They want to know that they have value and that thing that they provide, you know, whether it's a downfield block or a little bit of information on tendencies, that's going to provide the the win or the little edge that you need to get that victory. I totally get that, man. Having having a room full of competitive people, I think is really fun, especially if you're all pulling in the same direction. That's true. And I've, I've been that way for a while. Um, even before I was at UNLV, it was just something that I've always found joy in doing, even coaching at the high school level. Uh, people around me, around you, around me could tell you like, if I see, and we're watching the game on TV and it's like, yeah, they're about to do this, this, and this. It's like, Hey man, you be quiet. You're telling the play. It's just something <laughs> yeah. I've always enjoyed just doing. I love breaking down an opponent or anybody just breaking down, even if it's self-scout, scout my own self and our own team, just breaking it down. I just get joy from that. I think that's just the boring details that most people probably, probably don't enjoy doing. I love doing. Well, that's great, man. And so when you're doing, all right, look, we've got, we've obviously got a massive game, probably the last football game we're going to watch for a little while on, uh, well, it's today on Sunday. What do we, how does this look for you? I mean, you, you clearly are a very annoying person to watch a game with. So do you, do you sequester yourself or do you position yourselves right in the middle of the couch and just make sure everybody endures your analytical wrath? Uh, it's me. So everybody, if you watch the game with me, you know that it's, it's going to be me. I'm not going to stop for any, you know, anybody. I'm just going, if I call it, I see it, I'm going to call it. Like, it's just what I do. Right. Everybody else talks about certain things. I, that's what I talk about during the game. And I will say this, being around a coach, and once you coach, again, being at a different level or whatever the case, you see the game so much different. You don't, you no longer watch it as a fan. It's hard to because you're always watching it from an analytical point like, oh, they're doing this. Oh, I would have ran it this way. Oh, he's lined up this way. You're like, oh, I wonder why they did this. You're thinking constantly. So you can never watch the game as a fan anymore. It just takes it away. Now, are your girls listening to you or are you just having a conversation with yourself? <laughs> No, nah, uh, well, today the girls are at school. Well, they're they're, they're at school today. While we're, um, but um, usually everybody's around me, family, friends, and they're like, hey, oh, that's nice. So you have some people over, and at least you have a small audience that will listen to you. Or are you just chatting with yourself about no, oh, they're, man? They're gonna. This is a blitz. No, no, no. I'm usually chatting with a lot of other people. Uh, oh, everybody, that's good. Everybody's okay. around me. Everybody around here is listening, and they're like, hey, man. Could you hush? Please don't tell the play. Uh, please, can we just say, can we just watch the game? I can't help it, but like, hey, Pat Mahomes about to do this, man. I'm sorry, I see it. This is how you lined up. And like, okay, we're just trying to watch the game and enjoy the Super Bowl, man. Like, okay, I get it. Well, that's awesome, dude. Well, the good news is you definitely have an audience at InsideTexas.com. We're very, very lucky to have you and your your series that you're doing right now, breaking down the off season and what the coaches are going through is. Uh, it's phenomenal. And I know I've told you that before you you're doing really high quality work and we're very lucky to have you. And if you, if you are not signed up for InsideTexas.com, please do it. It's, it's a dollar. I mean, it's insane uh, how cheap it is for that first month. And let's be honest, you can just binge all of Charlie's content and then leave if you want to. I don't think you will, but there's a lot to be derived from that $1 and it's a, it's a great opportunity. So we're really lucky to have you coach. I really do appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us today and obviously your contributions to the website are just phenomenal well i mean i really appreciate that appreciate you having me on man it's uh it's a joy for me honestly it really is i, I love this it's like i said i love doing this it's just uh it's just who i am um, football inside and out right 
And uh, I'm glad I can just share this with Inside Texas fans and subscribers. Um, I cannot wait until we get to the season. I have so much more to share and show. Yeah. I just can't wait, right? I, I cannot wait. So we'll see. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Don't don't immediately hang up like you did last time you left <laughs> me here. We're going to yeah. do this thing where I'm going to say goodbye to everybody, and then we're going to wait 10 seconds, and then it's going to disappear. And we're going to awkwardly stare at the camera. That's just the way this works. All right? Thank you all. We really appreciate you guys coming.